Well, greetings, brothers and sisters in Christ, and so greetings to those who are joining us online right now. And today we are going to continue our Sermon of the Mount sermon series as we come to a well-known passage from Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 to 15. And this is one of the most famous prayer, most commonly known as the Lord's Prayer. You know, this message is actually a rehash of a sermon that I preached a couple years ago at the prayer and praise service. Uh, so some of you may have heard it before, but I believe whenever we hear God's word, I pray that it still come to us in a fresh new way. So if you have your Bibles with you, can you turn with me to Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 to 15. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. And this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Now just a show of hands here. Any Peanuts fans among us? See a few hands. You know, I came across this uh, famous Peanuts uh, cartoon strip from the, the book, The Parable of the Peanuts, when I was preparing for this sermon. You know, this Peanuts comic shows Linus kneeling beside his bed, praying, and suddenly he stops and says to Lucy, I think I've made a new theological discovery. And Lucy replied, what is it? And Linus said, if you hold your hands upside down, you get the opposite of what you pray for. You know, the point of this comic strip is how easy it is to distort prayer into a technique or a formula. You know, Linus, in his ignorance, thought that he made a huge theological discovery that the effect of prayer has to do with the way we hold our hands. However, in a prayer, is not a technique. And this is why we need the right theology of prayer. You know, the right theology of prayer produces the right kind of prayer. You know, prayer is not twisting the arm of God. It is believing in a God who hears our prayers, answers our prayers, and even exceeds our prayers. You know, Eugene Peterson makes this observation about the Lord's Prayer here. He said, Prayer is the core of Sermon on the Mount teaching. It is located at almost the exact center of the sermon. It holds the sermon together and animates it. A kingdom of heaven life consists of things to do and ways to think. But if there's no prayer at the center, nothing lives. Prayer is a heart that pumps blood into all the words and acts. Now let us look back at the passage we just read on what we can learn about prayer from Jesus. You know, if we read uh, the earlier verses from verses 5 to 7, Jesus first established how we should not pray. In verse 5, Jesus said, when you pray, do not pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. You know, truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. And this is where the health of our prayer life is not measured publicly. Instead, Jesus said, but when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. And then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. You know, we do not pray for recognition. 
You know, we need to be careful that all public prayers start with praying in secret. You know, when I was reflecting on this verse, it challenged me to reflect even on my own prayer life. You know, as a pastor, you know, there are many times we are called to lead in public corporate prayers and services. And I need to constantly remind myself that when I lead in a corporate prayer, it's not to be seen by others. The intent is for the pastor to pray on behalf of the people of God with the congregation agreeing together. And this is where all public prayers have to come from an inward private prayer life. It starts from our daily conversation with the Lord every single day. Now, secondly, we do not pray mindless repetition. If you read verse 7, when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because there are many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. You know, sometimes even pastors like us pray very long and repetitive prayers. And I'm not saying that people who pray long and repetitive prayers are babbling like pagans as described in verse 7 here. But we need to know that our Lord knows what we need in our hearts even before we ask of Him. In a deepest form of prayer, when we are in deep communion with God, we don't even have to utter words. Even in silent prayers are just as powerful as public corporate prayers. John Bunyan wisely reminds us, in prayer, it is better to have a heart without words than words without a heart. You know, I once heard this story of a pastor who prayed passionately. And at the end of his prayer, this English professor in his church came up to him and said, you know, pastor, your prayer is very good, but this part of your prayer, there is this grammatical error. You know, this part is a wrong usage of the word. After a while, you know, she went on and on, and the pastor turned to her, sister, I think it's okay. You know, after all, I wasn't talking to you. You know, friends, we don't have to overcomplicate our prayers. Prayer is simply talking to God. And actually, I think we pastors are the ones that are guilty of complicating our prayers. You know, with all the superfluous words we use from our theological training, you know, such as, you know, all sovereign, transcendent, immutable, eminent God. You know, which actually simply means our really high, unchanging God whose presence is always there with us. You know, we do not need to complicate our prayers. I recall this small group session that I attended, and the group was sharing about how they prayed together as a family. And one of the couples in the group was sharing about how they prayed with their children daily. One of their child's prayers were as simple as, you know, I thank God no one died today. Uh, another one shared, I thank God, you know, it's a normal day today. You know, sometimes the purest and the most simplest of prayer is just as real and powerful. So just a quick summary here, and this is how we should not pray. First, we do not pray for recognition, and we do not pray mindless repetition. And then with that said, this is how we should pray. If we go to the heart of what Jesus is saying here, we have to read on from verses 9 to 15. As Jesus went on to teach his disciples, this is how you should pray. You know, I'm sure many of us are familiar with this version of the Lord's Prayer, which is usually recited when we have the Holy Communion. You know, although this is a famous, known, famously known as the Lord's Prayer, scholars will actually say it's more like the disciples' prayer. 
as the real Lord's Prayer is actually found in John chapter 17, where Jesus himself prayed for the believers. You know, on a side note, in this Lord's Prayer, there's this doxological ending that we usually pray. For dying is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. You know, this line here is actually not included in earlier manuscript of the Lord's Prayer. So although it was not in the original text, this line was added in later to reflect early Christian practice of adapting the prayer for liturgical use in the church. And perhaps this was on the basis from First Chronicles chapter 29, verse 11. If you also notice, Jesus did not use a singular personal pronoun at all. Instead, Jesus uses the plural pronouns to indicate that this kingdom prayer has a corporate element to it. As you see on the screen here, the prayer is about our, us, and we. You know, our Father, give us our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses, as we also forgive. Lead us not into temptation. Deliver us. You know, there's something about the power of corporate prayer. There are times we pray individually, and there's a place for it. But imagine the power when we pray, when husband and wife pray together, when groups pray together, and all the more when the entire Wesley Church family prays together. Imagine what God will and can do when He sees His children praying together. You know, James Simbala shared this, the barometer of the church health starts with the prayer meeting. The prayer meeting is the fuel and the life of the church. So to see how healthy the church is, you see how many people actually come or tune in to our, our church prayer meeting. So with that context in mind, let me share three steps today based from this passage on how we can pray the kingdom way. First prayer involves giving our adoration to our king. Secondly, prayer involves coming in submission to our king. And thirdly, prayer involves bringing our petition to our king. Let me come to the first point here. We need to give our adoration to our king. In verse 9, Jesus said, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. If we do not know how to start praying, we can start by just worshipping and hallowing the name of our Heavenly Father. The Greek word for hallowed is agahesio. It can mean to sanctify, to make holy, to honour, to venerate. We start our prayer by venerating the name of our Heavenly Father. I like how Bishop Robert Solomon shared this in the book, The Prayer of Jesus. He said, when we, pray, when we begin to pray heavenward, saying, our Father in heaven, it connects us with the heart of reality and the depth of our being. Our Creator and our Redeemer who loves us. He went on to say, every time you and I pray, hallowed be thy name, we are reminded that as members of the church, we carry the name of Jesus, his name that has been lifted above every other name. And we are to worship God wholeheartedly and conduct our lives in such a way that it demonstrates that we, in fact, hallow God's name in our lives and in the church. And this is where the right theology of prayer all begins and ends with who God is. And I recall this particular LCC retreat that we conducted online. This was during the COVID years 
you know, the worship leader leading us in worship in over Zoom was asking us to indicate our descriptions of who God is to us when we come to worship God. You know, we were either to annotate on the Zoom screen or, you know, or type on the chat box. And one by one, each of us shared different attributes of God and what this attribute of God meant to us. You know, I remember there were varied responses from you know, God as faithful, God is love, you know, God is good, God is our healer, our strength, our living hope. God is mighty to save. God is majestic, sovereign, and the list went on. You know, it was such a powerful moment, you know, just bringing our praises to God. You know, when we come in such adoration and admiration of God's divine attributes, we will soon realize that our situation is so much smaller compared to our majestic God. In fact, when we come to that recognition of God's divine attributes, it brings us in that right posture to fully depend on God and not ourselves. I like what Mother Teresa once shared about prayer. She, she said, prayer enlarges the heart until it is capable of containing God's gift of himself. You know, after we bring our focus and attention to addressing our Heavenly Father, we need to come in submission to our King. If you read in verse 10, Jesus prayed, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You know, God wants us to partner Him in God's kingdom work on this earth. Our King wants us to be involved in what He intends for us to do. It starts by full submission to the Lordship of Christ in our life. In 1 John chapter 5, verses 14 to 15, Jesus said, this is the confidence we have in approaching God. That if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know what He hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we ask of Him. You know, this is the key word here in this scripture passage, is according to His will. When we submit and we yield to the will of our Father and pray any prayers on His heart, God will hear us and God will answer our prayers. And this is one of the keys to prayer, and that is to pray according to His will. You know, prayer is not manipulating God's will, but, but to submit to His will. And in order to learn to pray to His will, we need to know God's heart through Scriptures. One very practical way of praying through Scripture is actually what the, our track pastors were introduced to at our track pastors retreat uh, for two years in a row. You know, this is what we call the daily office. You know, I see on the screen, this is called the Daily Prayer from the Church of England. And this was a version that the track pastors used. There's an app you can download to your phone or you can access the web version of it. So in the last two years at our track pastors retreat, our track president, Reverend Stanley Troy, actually invited all the pastors to practice this daily office together. I remember during the retreat, we were we we in a schedule. We had three corporate times of prayer at morning, at 9 a.m., at midday at 3 p.m., and to end the evening at 9.30 p.m., where we actually came together in our, in, by Zoom in our different districts to pray through the daily office. You know, as we pray through the daily office, it can be short as 10 minutes to actually as long as one hour. And the daily office is actually a set of written prayers provided for Christians to pray throughout the day. It derives from St. Benedict's idea of prayer as a work of God. 
He viewed the Christian life as a life of prayer with work, interspersed together. And this is why the daily office is also known as the liturgy of the hours, so that Christians may learn to pray according to a rhythm of scripted prayers throughout the day. The daily office offers a, right, a, a range of ways and words of, for prayer. There's namely confession of sins, there's praise, there's thanksgiving, there's petitions, there's intercession. So for individuals who struggle with finding the right words and reason to pray, the daily office is actually a good tool to start. And this is just a one way to help us to understand God's will as we pray through scriptures. You know, after we adore and submit fully to our king, we can now come to our king by bringing our petitions to him for our needs. And this is where I come to the third point here. You know, there's actually three petitions. Petition of daily sustenance, the petition of forgiveness, and the petition of protection. And I once heard this story about two young brothers who were spending the night at their grandparents' house. At bedtime, they knelt beside their beds to say their prayers. The youngest one began praying at the top of his lungs. For my birthday, I pray for a new bike. I pray for an iPad, a new PlayStation. And then his older brother leaned over and said, Why are you shouting your prayers? God isn't hard of hearing. And you know what his little brother replied? No, but grandma is. You know, friends, we don't have to yell out our request because God is not hard of hearing. You know, after we put God's concern first, then we can bring our own needs. You know, God is concerned about our needs. God knows them even before we mention them. Some of you may ask, if God knows all our needs, why do we still pray? If you read in Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 to 8, Jesus said, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. And the one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. You know, Jesus explains here that we need to ask, we need to seek, and we need to knock on the door. We need to ask and petition to God. Someone shared this, prayer is not a way to get God to work for us. It is God's way of involving us in what He intends to do. The act of prayer is God's appointed way to have these needs met. You know, just last Saturday, my wife and I actually lost one of our baby's favorite plush toy at an event in church. You know, after we got back, we realized, hey, where was this toy? You know, we brought it to church. Let me show a photo of it. This was the toy that we actually lost. And you know, we've been using you know, this plush sloth toy to entertain our daughter you know, since, you know, she was just a few weeks old. And it, today, you know, she's 10 months old and she still loves it. You know, we always use this toy, you know, to entertain her. You know, for the parents here, I don't know if, have you or your child ever lost their favorite toy? You know, do you recall that feeling, you know, when that toy was lost? You know, I'm sure you would have been very flustered as you know how important it is to find your child's favorite toy. You know, if I'm honest with you, we would have just bought her another toy if it wasn't one of her favorites. So as soon as we found out it was missing, I actually notified our facilities team to inform me if uh, anyone may have picked up in church the next day on Sunday. 
So the next morning, as soon as we got to church, my wife and I went to retrace our steps of the places in church that we could have dropped it. But I know we looked, we searched high and low, we went through every room, we, we know we couldn't find it. And then in the end, this was the end of the church, uh, the end of the day already, I prayed and I surrendered the fate of our baby's favorite toy to God. And after the church services, uh, we were walking back to my car, it was, we were parked at the basement two car park. And at the corner of my eye, I saw that missing toy at the slope, at the base of the car park, where my car was parked. And this was where the, the toy was dropped, actually. And, you know, when we found it, I realized, you know, we must have, you know, we were carrying a lot of stuff, you know, with all the baby stuff. And as we were putting them in the car, it might have actually dropped out from the back. And my wife and I, we were just so amazed as, you know, we were actually prepared not to find it when we were about to leave church. You know, we surrendered the fate of the toy to God already. But I believe, you know, God you know, heard our prayers. And even a simple prayer like this, of praying to find a lost toy, you know, God answered our prayers. You know, friends, you see, God hears our prayers when we petition to Him, even to find this lost toy. You know, God, He knows our needs, and we, all we need is to articulate to Him. Because when we articulate our prayers, we are bringing our trust to God for His provision. So next, you know, when we pray, give us today our daily bread, You know, this is an example of a metaphor for not just food, but to all of the believers' needs, both physical and spiritual. It is putting our trust in God as Jehovah Jireh, a God who provides. And read on, the next petition is the petition of forgiveness. You know, forgiveness of sin is the greatest need of the human heart. You know, there are two parts here from verse 12 to 15, where Jesus emphasized the importance and need of receiving forgiveness as well as forgiving others. Now, here is the secret of forgiveness. Let me ask this question to us. Has Christ completely forgiven you? Have our sins been washed clean? Has our debts been paid? You know, friends, if you are a child of God, the answer to this question should be a resounding yes. When God forgives us, he doesn't forgive us only 50% or 80%. God forgives us 100% completely. So knowing that, let us reflect this question. Is there anyone who comes to your mind right now who you need to forgive? Are you holding a grudge on someone? Is there someone in need of your grace? Forgive them just as Christ has forgiven you. Thirdly, it's a petition of protection. When Jesus said in verse 13, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. In this petition, we are asking God to protect, to guide us in this spiritual battle here on this side of heaven. You know, we should petition to God that we will not get out of His will and be tempted by this world. When you are faced with the temptations of sin, don't resist it. Instead, flee from it. Run as far away as possible. You know, God is faithful, and He will not leave you to face your temptations alone. Pray for His protection, and keep up your guard. So before I close, let me just share some application lessons for us. There are many ways that we can inculcate a prayerful life. You know, first we can pray on our own, or we can pray with others. You know, if you remember, two years ago we had this Sabbath rest journal. 
if you actually have that book with you still, there's a lot of uh, wonderful insights there that actually guide us even how to pray. Let me lead you to page 332. There's a whole description of what the discipline of prayer is about and a detailed guide on how you can pray. I know there's a part about, about praying individually or in a group. And I shared earlier, the daily office is just a form of prayer that you can use as a guide to pray daily on your own or even praying through with your family or with a, a small group. Or there's praying with others. You can pray with your family. For me, something that my wife and I try to do is pray together with our daughter uh, every night before she sleeps and even when we head to work together. And there's also a corporate element of prayer. Every first Wednesday of the month, we have our Wesley prayer service online. And I'd like to encourage you to, to join our Wesley prayer service. You know, not just every once a month. Every other Wednesdays, we have the Wesley's synchronized prayer. This is where you can either pray in your own ministry groups, in your small groups, at this synchronized time online. You know, friends, prayer is, praying is not easy. If I were to be honest, even as I prepared for this sermon, I confess there are times I do struggle in my own prayer life. Sometimes I can be just so tired, I don't even feel like praying. But all the more at times when I am at my lowest, when I don't feel like praying, it's when I realize that we need to come to the feet of Jesus and commune with our Heavenly Father in prayer. There were times when I reached a roadblock and I do not know what to do. But I know I can come to God's throne of grace, wherever I am, to submit myself fully to our mighty God and to simply ask our Heavenly Father for His wisdom and His guidance in my life. God may not answer your prayers immediately all the time, but the act of us praying brings us in submission. It brings us in dependency on God. And that changes us. It transforms us inwardly. The more we pray and converse with our Heavenly Father, the more we'll begin to enjoy spending time with Him, wasting time with Him. You know, if we do not intentionally create rhythms in our life to pray, I can be honest, we as humans left to our own human devices will not see the desire to pray. So as a challenge to us today, let us inculcate a lifestyle of prayer. If we do not know where to start, we can start with the Lord's Prayer. Let us turn to our Heavenly Father, who is the God of the how much more. So to summarize today's message, this is how we can pray the kingdom way. By first giving our adoration to our King, and we come in submission to our King before we bring our petitions to our King. Let us pray. Almighty Father in heaven, we bless your holy name today. You are the God of majesty and power who spoke and this world was formed who breathe and this world live, who counts the hairs upon our head, who sees our thoughts and reads our hearts, who love us more than we deserve. Today we want to recognize all that you have done for us, all that you continue to do now and all that you will do in the future. We thank you that you have redeemed our lives, you have forgiven our sins, you are the restorer of the broken. You are healer and redeemer. You are faithful 
you are true, you are powerful, and you are forever with us. So as your Son, Jesus Christ, submitted himself fully to your will, may we too submit ourselves to your Lordship. And may your Holy Spirit reveal your heartbeat to us, so that even before we utter our petitions to you, we are praying on matters on your heart. So will you guard us, protect us in this spiritual battle here on this side of heaven. Help us to overcome any temptation that may come our way and to keep our eyes on you and you alone. So today we declare as a church that you are holy, you are worthy, and we worship you this day and always. As we pray all this in your son's precious name, our rock and our redeemer. Amen and Amen.